1: Hey everyone and welcome back in to the Moment of Cluth podcast. With so much rapidly changing due to the coronavirus pandemic, I thought an interesting episode would be about the future of the broadcast industry. This week's guest is a friend of mine and he was actually almost my agent at one point. He saved in my phone as Gary favorite almost agent Brown. He's a broadcast media veteran. He started out as a producer, became the youngest news director in the country at the age of 25, and now he's the SVP of content for Meredith Corporation, which has local stations in several markets across the country. In this episode, we talk about his career journey, how to stand out if you're trying to jump markets right now, and how to get your foot in the door during these uncertain times. First of all, thank you so much for joining
2: me. I know you're a very busy man holding down at least 10 jobs. Um, so, but one I, of the yeah, reasons-
0: you're, but you're welcome. Happy to be here.
2: Thank you. Um, so, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because this industry, is nonstop evolving, especially with coronavirus. So, we've seen a couple of companies furlough people and um, make pay, pay cuts, and it's just a really hard time, dare I say, scary time in the industry. So, I wanted to get your take on it. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to talk about your progression in the industry because you started out as a producer, then you went to EP, then news director, then talent agent or VP of news, then talent agent. Yeah. Almost became my agent.
0: I almost did the one who got away.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You're still in my phone as Gary favorite, almost agent Brown. Um, and now you're the SVP of content at Meredith corporation. So how did you get into the industry in the first place and why?
0: True story. My next door neighbor growing up in Toledo, Ohio was a TV weatherman so I thought I was going to become a meteorologist and I would go to the station with me work weekends and I'd hang out and uh, how learn the weather computer then I realized you had to do a lot of math <laughs> and then realized this face probably not for TV
2: hey um, now you could have made it in TV
0: I'd probably say something I shouldn't at the anchor desk or something <laughs> so um But I knew I wanted to do something. I wasn't sure what. I mean, I think most people when they get into it, they think they want to be on TV, they want to be on camera doing something as a reporter, anchor, whatever have you. So I did my first internship when I was 16 in high school. And by the time I was done, and knew how to edit three quarter inch videotape. Many of you would be like, what's that? But um, (laughs) there were no fancy uh, computer editing. It was deck to deck back then
2: was there like instagram back then just kidding
0: (laughs) Ah, thank god there wasn't but um and um that's what i did i I did that learned i learned how to shoot i learned how to edit learned how to write all through internships before i even went to college so when i went to college and i was like at kent state they were like what is this (laughs) who are you and um so I knew at a lo- young age I wanted to do it. I just didn't know, know what, and, um, and that continued for um, at, all through college. I did internships and stuff like that. And my first job was a producer assignment editor position in Steubenville, Ohio. Find that on the map. And then I bounced around, you know, like everyone back then you you started in small markets and then worked your way up and whereas now a lot of those markets you don't even have to necessarily go to if you're good, um or maybe I just wasn't good. I don't know, but um anyway, uh that's what I did and um never really had designs to do much then I wanted to be a news director, and I did it. I was twenty five when I got my first news director job. Young, yeah. Probably the youngest in the country at the time, maybe. Wow. Um, And had a great career doing that. A lot of fun. Built a Fox station from scratch. Um, uh, Things like that. And then, um, but the key is, like, there was an owner I worked for who I always kept in touch with and I worked for him multiple times. And that connection is how I got my first corporate position because i reached out to him he reached out to me when he was buying a station group and said hey do you want to be a general manager or do you want to be a corporate and be my vp of news and at the time i was news director in san diego so i was like um okay let's talk and i did that for five years till he sold and then i said I've done everything I've wanted to do by the time I was done I spent like 6 months as an acting general manager in Fresno you know I was like if this is it I'm good and I was intrigued by being an agent and I I always liked those chance, taking those chances and trying That's
2: something funny solid. to me that you were intrigued by being an agent because I feel like as a news director for what almost over a decade 11 years yeah that you'd uh, get irritated with agents
0: yeah did. So I said, I wasn't going to be that person. (laughs) Um, sometimes it's inevitable that you have to be that person, um, if you're representing your client, but, um, but that was how, how I, um, what I did. And then, um, gosh, after that, um, so I went, moved to California where I live today, um, and did that. But it was funny because someone else I met along my way, when I was uh, the news director for the Fox station in Toledo and we were launching it, at the time, the the newscast, that newscast was being produced by the CBS station. And one of the people in that newsroom was a special projects producer by the name of Patrick McCreary. Well, he now runs the Meredith Local Media Group, which is the group I work for and is my boss. Wow. I knew him 20 years ago and we stayed in touch and um, when he he called me and said hey I want to talk to you about this job what do you think Um, because my usual line when I was an agent was I'm retired Uh, I'm not going back into tv but the opportunity to work for this company again which I worked for in Hartford as a news director and to work for him I couldn't pass it up so that's how I ended up back
2: I think that speaks volumes about this industry in general because it's all about who you know and connecting with people and not burning bridges. I found that in my own career. Somebody I might've met years ago could lead to an open door for me down the line. So what's your biggest piece of advice for somebody who wants to follow either your path um, in management or a path like mine who might be new to this industry?
0: Well, first off, The networking is huge. Um, I'm trying to remember how we ended up meeting back when I was trying to, when we were talking, when I was an agent.
1: I'll
2: tell you, I sat next to Kenny Lopez. He was my work husband in Mm -hmm. New Orleans when I worked there at the ABC affiliate and I was looking for an agent. And I remember him telling me that there was this really well-dressed agent on social media. who represented a lot of people who he knew who, who had jumped markets. I was trying to get back home to Chicago. And I think I followed you or I emailed you. He somehow had your contact information. And then I took your phone call while I was, I was an MMJ there. And I took your phone call. I was sitting in my car in the middle of new Orleans summer. It was like 105 degrees outside. And I remember (laughs) taking your phone call on my lunch break being like, I'm Megan. I'm looking for an agent. And you said, it must be really hard to stay attractive on camera in New Orleans in that heat. <laughs> I'll
0: Probably use some more descriptive words than that, but I can only. imagine. <laughs> no, I do remember that. Now that you mentioned it, I remember talking to you when you were in the car between uh, shoots or whatever, in your yeah. story doing your story. Yeah.
2: And you were um, right. It was hard to um, stay not sweaty for the camera. So <laughs> 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 one day I got out of there without with a with a working reel.
0: For me um i would say networking is one thing the other thing is nothing drives people crazy when people come across as entitled and they have they've done it for a day Mm -hmm. right um and this isn't a back in my day i had to go here and there and i did i mean i'm steubenville ohio to Altoona, pennsylvania to wilkesbury scranton to pittsburgh i mean No one does that track anymore. (laughs) They don't have to. But the point is, learn, ask questions, but put in the work. I mean, if, you know, someone said to me once, they said it's really like a lifestyle. You get into this because you're usually passionate about history, telling the truth, holding people accountable, those type of things. And uh, this time of where our country is, what we do is so important. The role the reporters, everyone in a Room plays is so important videographers out there getting, you know, covering protests, peaceful, not peaceful, getting tear gassed not because they did anything wrong, because they were just there, um, you know, working from home, covering the coronavirus, you know, all those different things, trying to give people a important information but also putting a human face on it all
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that's hard and you have to really want to do that it's not about you know how many seconds am i on camera reading an intro to a script or something like that it's about putting the work in it's about doing the journalism and you know if you go in thinking you're going to be a star you're going to get rich maybe you will but odds are you're probably going to be, um, you know, not doing that. And you have to love what you do, right? Mm-hmm.
2: It's <laughs> and,
0: a grind. It is a grind. And it's tough. There is no doubt about it. It is tough. And um, I'm amazed every day at the work all the journalists are doing right now. Having to pivot from one to the other, um, it's hard.
2: One of the most defining things in this career is that you start off making pennies and you start off doing five jobs at once. You're shooting for yourself, you're editing for yourself, you're producing for yourself essentially. And then in some cases you're doing your own live shots. Um, So, I mean, for anybody starting out, you said it best, you have to really love it. Um, What's your advice for people who are looking for their next job during this pandemic? Because... I know tons of people's contracts have come up. What do you say to somebody who's trying to stand out right now among a crowd of people who just lost their jobs?
0: Well, you can stand out because, you know, it's part what they see, what they hear, what you say, right? All those things. And if you're good, you're going to shine through. And yes, there's going to be a lot of people who might be looking, but there's also probably a lot of people who aren't, who are just going to kind of, you know what? I may have had aspirations to leave, but I'm gonna stay because it's too crazy right now. Um, The competition's gonna be greater than ever. Uh, There's no doubt about that. But I always say that when you're, if you're good at what you do and you care and you have that passion for it, that shines through when you meet someone, that shines through when you interview. And, that will hopefully shine through in your work, and will shine through to whoever's on the other end, looking at your reel, saying, "I need to hire that person."
1: For
2: anyone who is between contracts and um, you know thinking about taking that step and trying to get themselves in front of a news director, what stood out to you when you were a news director and a VP that made you say, "Maybe I can create a position for this person, or I should hire them for the next open spot?"
0: Well. You know, your reel is going to get you through the door to some degree, but it's that conversation you have. That are they a good newsroom citizen? Do they? How do they come across? How uh, you know well spoken are they? How energetic are they? You know, there's just some people that have those personalities that you're just like, I got to find a role for this person because I think they'd be a great addition. And sometimes it's not also just about what's on the reel. It's about those other intangibles. I used to look at being a news director in some ways like I was casting because I didn't want too many people that were the same way were the same style. I I kind of fell into this thought, and I still do. Um, It's not that news is about personalities, but in a way it is. It's like when you're building a newsroom, from my standpoint, it was like, okay, I have the grizzled veteran investigative reporter over here who's going to do great work, but I need that person that's going to do, that's fearless to ask anyone anything, and they ask it in a way that's the no-brainer question, but sometimes we're afraid to directly ask that, and then I had kind of the journey person who could do any type of story, right, and then something that can really get to the heart of emotion or really crunch numbers or really explain politics and stuff like that. So at the end of the day, it was like you fashioned those stories versus the people you had. And you didn't, you know, so everyone didn't look the same. Everyone didn't sound the same. And everyone's abilities were good but different. So that's how I looked at it. So my advice is also, if if it doesn't work at first, you'll find the right spot because sometimes it's literally I have someone that looks and sounds like this person. I want someone who's different. You've probably experienced that in your own job searches over the years.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I found that also trying to fit a square peg into a round hole didn't work for me. So don't try to be who you're not. If you know that you're really good at telling feature stories and you want to get to the heart of stories or you like longer form interviews then look for roles that fit who you are after you get the experience though you can't just well actually I guess you can just start off that way now with youtubers and bloggers bloggers podcasters you can really create something for yourself if that role doesn't exist but that's what this podcast is about actually it's about being authentic to who you are Um, so I wanted to have you on to talk about, was there a time in your life when you knew that you weren't being authentic to who you were in your career and took a step back and realized that that wasn't the right role for you or in your personal life?
0: Well, um, there was a time I actually left the business without a job. Something you didn't know, I bet. Um, I had launched the Fox station in Toledo. I was working six days a week, you know, crazy hours because it was a small staff and I had a ton of fun doing it, but I was just like, you know what? I'm done. And um, I moved to Phoenix, Arizona without a job. thought I had enough money saved. You never have enough money saved. Um, Never. Um, I lived with a friend. And I had a bunch of interviews lined up, but I was like, you know, I needed work life balance. That's what I was that if I was being authentic, I had no work life balance. But you didn't really call it that then. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I didn't have it. That. And I knew I I knew I knew I knew I needed it. <laughs> I knew I didn't have it. You were just um, tired all the time. I was tired. Well, it was just all work. And um what i found and i was trying to do other things and had a bunch of interview it was weird i had a bunch of interviews and um they weren't for news director jobs in phoenix but they were at tv stations and they're like why do you how did you end up here and i'm like well you know i just wanted this is where i want to live i thought at the time and um i'm driving from Toledo, ohio with a friend of mine to phoenix and this owner, who I just left, his company, called me because he just bought a station in Providence, Rhode Island. And he's like, where are you? And I said, I'm outside of Oklahoma City. He goes, you're close to Providence. Get in the car and turn around. <laughs> and I started laughing. And I said, I have to see this through. I wasn't trying to be coy or, or you know, play it off. I just literally was like, when I make my mind up, I'm going to do something, I do it. So I went to Phoenix because I wanted to see a couple weeks later, a friend of mine who wanted to be the GM in Providence because he just bought the station and needed a GM call me and goes, your name came up. I told him I could get you. I could get you Gary Brown to be the news director in Providence. So you need to call him. So I call the owner up and he's like, would you come out for a couple weeks and consult? I'm like, well, you know what? Nothing's really happening right now. This is 2001 just before 9-11, like the summer of 01,
1: okay.
0: where we were kind of economy-wise was not the best. I said, sure. So I went. Third day, Annie offered me the job as news director without not knowing who the GM was going to be. And I took the job. Um, I said, well, so much for Phoenix and this work-life balance thing. I'm going to move to the... <laughs> East Coast of New England and try this all over again. And it worked out. You were going for was, warm
2: weather and you ended up in the actual well, polar opposite. I,
0: I moved to Phoenix in June. Who does that? It was 116. Okay. Okay. Well, you're
2: a masochist, clearly.
0: Clearly. Um, so I did it. I never looked back. And it's just kind of weird, even when you think you have a plan. I always said the business is self-correcting. And eventually, we dump the people who shouldn't be in it or don't deserve to be in it. And it also rewards those who work hard. True. Maybe not on our timetable we would like, but it does, it does happen.
1: Yeah, if you
2: fight for something long enough, I believe that it will be yours. Um, where do you see this industry going in five years? There's so much changing. You know, I think about this with how radio killed the television or TV killed the radio star and now podcasts (laughs) are back. And there's like a whole platform for television stars on podcasts. And I'm just in awe of how this industry has changed even in the seven years that I've been in it.
0: Well, it's interesting. I believe um, it's look, it's going to be around because times like this is where you see the value. It's going to be different the requirements the expectations are probably going to be different um the competition's going to be different it is already different um but if you're good there's still going to be jobs there might not be as many i'm not saying that that's i mean that's just i think the reality is what we see out there right um but there's still tor- stories to be told.
2: Yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, you may not have a videographer with you to tell those stories. You may be an MMJ, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> um, you might be filing first to digital before you go on TV. You may be expected to do a podcast after your live shot on your story. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I use this analogy. TV dictated technology for a long time. Like we wanted to go live, we got we figured out how to do microwave trucks. We wanted to go live further. We figured out satellite trucks. We wanted to go live from the air from a helicopter. We figured out how to do that. Right. Then at one at some point, the technology and the folks behind the technology like started in trying to anticipate our needs. And they took it and went past us. And so now we have to keep up with technology versus technology keeping up with us and our needs. And that's what I think has happened.
1: Do you think
2: that technology will eliminate jobs in this industry?
0: Well, I think you've seen that already over the course of the last 10 years in some ways. some of it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's to be expected, but it kind of is because um, and in any industry, look, the auto industry used yeah. to be much more hands-on with people building cars. Now it's a lot of people controlling robots that build the cars or equipment that builds them, right? It's changed. Every industry's changed. And, you know, i think sometimes we forget because ours is such a personal industry and that Mm -hmm. the people matter it's not like you're putting something in a box every day and shipping it down an assembly line you're doing something you interact with people you're collecting data and determining what's fact what isn't and what's relevant what's not so it's different and so yeah There's only so far machines and technology can go though, right? Right. I mean, I don't, maybe there'll be a day, but I don't see how the the anchor, the reporter are replaced by technology.
2: Yeah, we saw in coronavirus also that numbers in local news went way up in terms of ratings because people wanted to see those stories that were they, in their local markets.
0: They did. And we learned a lot. I mean, who would it, you could have, could you have ever told me as an old school producer that I could produce a newscast from home? Never. And sit at my desk and see the multi viewer from the control room on my screen and talk to the intercom on my, on my iPhone? No, never would have, but we've done it so i think that's going to be interesting how we apply what we've learned now to long term when we're back in our buildings you know how does that work and everyone's i think kind of i'll say wrestling with it but examining that and see okay what does this look like long term what can you do that you never thought you could and that is where technology no doubt has helped because i mean I remember the newsroom with typewriters and an AP, it's called the AP News Desk. It was one PC that was your wire computer. And it was was on the other side of the room and you had to go there and and check it out. And then I remember the old school wire machines that were constantly going. And it was my job as an intern to sort the wire copy from state, national, and regional and put it on a peg on the board. Yeah, good times. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that that has that has changed it, but I think there's so many possibilities now. I think we've learned so much and continue to learn what we can do that we never thought possible. I mean, look what we're doing right now. we're doing a zoom call, you're mm-hmm. recording it for a podcast with mm-hmm. your very fancy microphone thank you um <laughs> and this will live on, and you know. Would we have thought about this two years ago?
2: No, I didn't even think, I didn't even start Zooming with my podcast. I was kind of old fashioned with my podcast before Corona. I would Mm -hmm. actually sit down and wait till I could be in person with my interview. Then I learned how to Zoom because of the pandemic. And now I can't see myself doing it any other way. This is great.
0: I think you have to be adaptable.
2: I'm curious to see, because now all of these reporters have shown that they can reporters and anchors have shown that they can go home, they can anchor an entire four-hour newscast from their living room with a propped-up teleprompter and a ring light at 2 o'clock in the morning in their house. And I'm curious if the stations that were on the verge of having MMJs are now going, it's going to accelerate the rate that there are MMJs in larger markets because every single talent has shown that they can work from home by themselves and they don't need the resources they used to need.
0: There's probably going to be some truth to that. Um, I also say though, and I've told my news directors that the day you can have everyone back in the studio, well, it's a big day for us, it's a big day for the viewer because that really signals something. They're looking to us as be the barometer of is it okay? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Are we getting back to some sort of normalcy? Right?
2: Right.
0: Um, so I think you might see some of that with more MMJs. I think the other interesting thing is, are you going to see people with the uh, old school camera setups? Mm-hmm. Because we're using our iPhones, and some stations, you know, we we have an app. They open up, and the boom—they're record—they're live, right? Mm-hmm. On their phone.
2: That's I, a good point.
0: Yeah, you know, I think I think you'll see more interviews done this way. Over Zoom and WebEx and FaceTime and Skype, yeah, it's acceptable now. So that's probably the biggest change. Well, we never would have done this before, and if we did, it would have been an old-school phone or with a graphic playing. and- Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and maybe their photo with some font, and maybe if you're lucky, you might take out a quote and like and put the quote up on the screen while they're and talking. And a little
2: bit of like audio bars as an edit. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I
2: know it's wild. <laughs> I'm actually excited to see the future of television. I think that this pandemic pushed everybody to get a little more creative. I know it did for me, but in Chicago, watching local news, seeing reporters cover floods from their living rooms and have to get a little bit more creative with their storytelling because they're not actually out there. It's interesting. Um, If you could go back in time and tell young Gary Brown, one thing that you've taken away now, at this point in your career, what would that be?
0: Rent, don't buy. Um, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> You ask a good question. Um, I think no matter how much you want to plan it, and you think you have a path, and you see a path, and you think you know what you want to do, it changes. It's good to have goals and it's good to have expectations for yourself, but it changes. And um, being flexible and, and things and and you know, I mean, you you, you then have trade offs to make at some point: life versus work, work versus life. What's what's and you know what's important and. Um, all that but it's it get paid to do this it get paid to tell it be on the front lines of history
1: mm-hmm.
0: there's something really cool about that Definitely. and as crazy as it is
2: for anybody who's just graduated college trying to break into the industry right now and they're thinking oh lord how am i gonna break into this industry now (laughs) with all the things that are going down what do you say to them because you said yes you got to put in the work but
0: you got to get someone to give you the work to put in the work um don't let the first no scare you or stop you for those who are just starting out and trying to find a job this is the time this is that business kind of filters out people this is the first part of that those who went to school for it thought oh i'm going to be a reporter i'm going to go to market here x right out of school Mm -hmm. and they're getting a dose of humble pie that not happening right and it's because the business filters people out i can't tell you how many folks like i went to school with who were good and could get into it and go into it dropped out because it took a couple of months and they didn't find a job. It happens.
2: Yeah. That's what and I so, saying, create your own job.
0: Well, there's look, social media is huge. If you um, I found this as an agent that social media and some how many followers someone had made a difference sometimes in the hiring process. If someone had a big following stations wanted that, um, and that literally made, if if you were equal with someone else on every other part, performance-wise, smarts, ability to write, all those things, and they had no social media presence, and you had one, the one with the social media presence won.
2: That's the world we live in now. Um, if you're negotiating contracts right now, Should you expect to be making less than a position typically paid before? Should you go in asking the same amount?
0: Um, Well, a wise person once told me, "He or she who brings up money first loses." It's a negotiation. Now, you know, typically, you may throw out your number you want to be at and someone else's and that number is not going to be where they are and then it's like where do you meet in the middle and as an agent i always i i knew they'd i go unless i really know the person and i and i had some of those types of relationships with news directors and dooms where i'm like okay what's the we can do this game how do we want to do it or or, or can we just get it to here's what you can do and sometimes they said look this is my top line number i can't go above this you want to go in lower and tell them I came in lower and you can get here. So you look like a hero. Fine. But this is my number. So sometimes I had to ask myself how I wanted to do that and communicate with my client. But, um, you know, it typically I would say it's all about leverage too. Mm-hmm. You're young and just starting. You have no leverage other than you're willing to do the work. Yeah. So I would say I can't answer that necessarily because it's all over the place right now. No yeah. one knows because we're in something we've never been through before. If it was a typical advertising recession, we know it has a beginning, middle, and end. We don't we don't know that. You know. Are we in the middle? Are we at the end? Mm-hmm. I hope we're not in the beginning. Oh, <laughs> um
2: scaring me like that.
0: Um, so I, I, you know, I think, I think that's part of it. Um, I think you just go in and you got to do your research, right? There are tools out there to figure out what the average might be in a particular market. Mm -hmm. Um, Use that. You know, uh, typically people in the business know someone who's in the business, even if they're just starting out and, you know, use those people as barometers as what should this job pay? And ultimately if they say, what do you want to get paid? They say, well, what am I worth? <laughs> Don't give an answer.
2: <laughs> know your worth. I like that. Yeah. Um, so on this podcast at the end, I like to play two truths and a lie. You have to tell me two truths and a lie and I have to guess which one is the lie.
0: Oh my gosh, you did not prepare me for any of
2: this. (laughs) i like to keep you on your toes.
0: That I did a live report from a helicopter. Oh, let's see. I might have had an anchor newscast once because uh, someone didn't show up. And um, I can never figure out what filter to use on a camera when I would go shoot breaking news.
2: I think the lie is the filter. Because I could totally see you anchoring a newscast because one of your anchors didn't show up.
0: The anchoring was the was the lie.
1: No,
2: I'm pretty much undefeated in that game. You were one of two people who have stumped me. Wow.
0: I never knew what filter put the camera on. I'd always call and talk to a photog if I was going to breaking news as a news director, and I'd be like, "Okay, I'm going. What what, what filter do I need?" <laughs> And That's awesome. I did do, a, and I did in Stupinville, we had flooding and it wasn't meant to uh, do a live shot because I was the news director there, but um, I went up with the chopper pilot because we rented a chopper from Pittsburgh. And next thing I know, they said in the five o'clock news, hey, do a live shot for us. <laughs> did you I'm afraid of Andrew, heights. what did you say? No, I'm afraid of heights and I'm in a <laughs> helicopter to begin with. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, did you have your anchors and reporters critiquing your live shot, like calling you right after? Hey, Gary. No, I remembered.
0: I remembered. I said to myself in my head, I was like, remember what you would tell your young reporters about? Just describe what you're seeing.
2: That's the base of it. Everybody who's listening to this, just describe what you're seeing. And that's how you do the news.
0: And you got to do a little more than that, but that's the (laughs) start, right? (laughs)
2: Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for taking time to come on this podcast. I know you're super busy and I found all of that super helpful. I just want to share this podcast with anybody who um, might have questions about getting in the industry or is in a transitional period because I know it's changing rapidly. So thank you again. It was super helpful.
0: You're welcome. Thanks.
1: Thank you for listening to the Moment of Cluth podcast. I'm your host, Megan Cluth. For more episodes, please subscribe and share this episode with others. Visit megancluth.com to get in touch, head over to my YouTube to watch, and stay tuned for more great interviews.